welcome, welcome to Liberate Black Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Dunham, and we're working in coalition with the Black Coalition for Safe Motherhoods. Today, we have our guests, Nubia Martin and Naya Martin. Welcome, ladies. Greetings. Thank you for having us. So we have Nubia Martin, who is a community childbirth educator. Um, she's a midwife and the founder and president of Birth from the Earth. Incorporated. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Naya you. Is a student who is being mentored by uh, Nubia. She's a student um, and an up and coming uh, childbirth educators as well. Welcome, Naya. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, Nubia, tell us a, a little something about your, um, your uh, birth from the earth. Sure. Yes. So, Birth from the Earth Inc. is a nonprofit organization. We're based in Yonkers, New York, but we serve Westchester County, Harlem, the Bronx. And basically, we serve as a resource hub to the community. So if someone is newly pregnant and is not sure where to start, we let them know what their options are in terms of where to get care, um, the type of place they like to give birth. And then we offer a variety of services to support them through their journey, such as the Art of Birthing, which is a childbirth workshop, village baby showers, chocolate milk cafe, fatherhood Fridays. And then we also train birth workers so that as more people are interested in, you know, getting optimal care, we'll have more providers, you know, who can actually give those services like Naya, who's a student midwife right now, and a bunch of other birth workers who have come through Birth from the Earth stores. Now, well, tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all, before we could jump into Naya. Sure. Yeah. So I am a mother of five. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in sociology and a master's degree in midwifery. Um, I am enrolled in Jenny Joseph's Common Sense Midwifery School, so I will soon have the CPM credential um, as well. And I also am 99.9% .9 finished with my postgraduate degree in international midwifery and infant and maternal health because my long-term goal is to provide um, midwifery care and services um, in the continent of Africa, specifically in Ethiopia. And yeah, we started Birth on the Earth as a community-based organization back in 2008, turned it into a nonprofit in 2019, and opened up our brick-and-mortar location, Earth Grounds, in Yonkers in 2021. Wow. Wow. I'm just going to give you a class <laughs> right there. That's, that is beautiful. All right. That is Thank beautiful. You. Congrats, congrats. Naya, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, okay, so I am a recent graduate from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Yay, I graduated in December. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Graduated with a Bachelor's of Arts in Biology with a minor in General Women's Studies. Um, I am currently, well, I just sent in um, my applications for midwifery programs. Um, I am being mentored by the lovely, as you heard, Nubia Martin. Right. I'm also on the board for her nonprofit. So um, really into that. Uh, I got into everything from Nubia. Uh, I actually started interning with her summer 2019. And <laughs> I told her I wanted to be an OBGYN. And like I was telling her what I was interested in. And she was like, you want to be a midwife? <laughs> that's, that's literally how I got into what I've been into, how I've um, gotten into the things that I've been interested in and stuff. 
All right, so you two are not sisters, right? Or family. No. Or anything. Yes. We're no relation as far as no we relation. know. Just yeah, same last name. How <laughs> right. <laughs> it was meant to be. Yes, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so uh, do you both serve with um, or help with the, the Black Coalition for Safe Motherhoods? Yes. We do, yeah. So, you know, when Leslie reached out with what her vision was for the Black Coalition for Safe Motherhood, it really resonated with what we were doing at Birth from the Earth and the ACT curriculum in terms of, you know, empowering families to know how to ask questions, how to make sure that the time that they have with their providers is well spent and that they're being respected, telling their story, trusting their body, all of those things are, you know, the tenants of Birth from the Earth as well. So it just made sense for us to join forces with their organization. We stood on their board as well. And yeah, really just trying to make sure that families are empowered with the information that they need to have positive maternal health outcomes. Wow. So let's go, let's get into like the history of it. You know, how can reproductive rights help Black women in America? Yeah. So when we talk about the history, you know, I think a lot of people are always saying, well, how do we get to this point where Black women are dying three to four times more in this country and eight to 12 times more in the state of New York? And, you know, it, it doesn't take us, you know, far to look back and see where this started. It started during the transatlantic slave trade when the Black woman was a commodity, right? She had the ability to not only do manual labor, but also to bear children, which meant more stock for the slaveholder. And we have to understand that when we were brought over during the transatlantic slave trade, slaves were not brought over. People who were then enslaved were brought over. And these were people who had skills, such as mathematicians, carpenters, midwives, right? So they brought over the best of the best. And they were, you know, using their skills to preserve the lives of the enslaved Black women there and make sure that their babies were born healthy, even in the worst conditions. Mm -hmm. As soon as slavery was, quote unquote, abolished, right, the Black woman is no longer a commodity. And what we see in history is, you know, ways in which to stop us from procreating. So we had a history of eugenics programs, forced sterilizations, sterilizations without consent, birth control options that cause long-term damage such as sterility and the high C-section rate. And most recently, the um, disparities in maternal health outcomes for Black and Brown women. So we have to know where this started. We have to understand where the little nuances like Black women don't feel pain and all those things. They came from J. Marion Sims, who was the so-called father of modern gynecology in America, who built up his practice um, performing surgeries on enslaved Black women without anesthesia. Mm. That's how he learned, you know, a lot of his um, tricks of the trade, if you want to call it that. And those same ideas are still perpetuated in modern medicine now. So when, you know, you hear things like Serena Williams' story or other people's stories where they say, I just wasn't listened to, or, you know, my um, level of concern was diminished, that comes from being trained in the medical model of care that Black women have a different way in which we feel or experience pain. Mm, mm. What's your take on that, Naya? I mean, do you have anything to add to that? Um, not really. It's interesting, just like yeah. how we went from, as Nubia described, a commodity to them being seen as like this superhuman thing that supposedly doesn't feel um pain as other people do and because of that um 
as Nubia was talking about the father of gynecology, he his main thought was, or where he got his idea was, that he would continuously do all of these um, tests and these surgeries without anesthesia on Black women. And because they didn't pass out, because they didn't um, show the same, like, not pain receptor, but they were able to endure it, mm-hmm. was... The, the whole uh, backstory to why black women feel pain differently than white women. When in actuality, they were just enduring it because they thought that's exactly what they had to do. They had no other choice. So what's so, being, okay. So, so what's, being, what's, what's being done now, like in, in today's society? I mean, black women are dying at an alarming rate uh, because of uh, healthcare disparities, number one. And just like what you just said before, it's still going on. Uh, Mm -hmm. Women are dying. They're telling the doctor something's wrong and the doctor's saying, ah, it's that, you know, or something like Mm -hmm. that, you know. And the next thing you know, they're gone, you know, and leaving behind the child without a mother or vice versa and everything. So what's going on now? What can we do now to shift this narrative? Yeah, well, the first thing we have to do is educate families that there's nothing wrong with us, you know, in terms of an inherent problem or something in our DNA that predisposes us to being higher at risk. Um, It's more the way in which black and brown is treated in this country, which means we have to look at this as a systemic racism issue. And that means calling out and then having these different, um, you know, institutions acknowledge their history of deep-seated racism and systemic bias. That has to be first and foremost. Um, And then we also, I I always say that it's an SOS situation. We have to create spaces ourselves until these institutions are providing equitable care or until we are involved in these institutions and have a way to kind of level the playing field, we have to then provide those things for our community. So that's essentially what we're doing with, you know, the ACT campaign and with the Black Coalition for Safe Motherhood and with Birth in the Earth and with, you know, student midwives like Naya who are like, okay, if we're going to turn this thing around, we have to be on the forefront of this. We have to actually be providing care to our communities so that they can get culturally congruent care from somebody who not only looks like them, but understands what it's like to be a Black woman in this country. You know, it's stressful just waking up every day and not even adding on all the other things that we deal with. So then there has to be a space for healing. There has to be a space for, you know, communicating that and releasing that. And that is the reason why we were able to endure all the atrocities of slavery. It was at the hands of the midwives who made sure that they were still able to nurture us and keep us going. That's the reason why the three of us are even here to have this conversation today, because our ancestors were able to persevere. Right, right. And now that you're providing, and hopefully others are providing the services to uh, Black women and making them aware um, through the ACT program. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, Now, ACT stands for I'm gonna let Ask questions. <laughs> A stands for ask questions until you understand the answers. Uh-huh. C stands for claim your space, mentally, emotionally, physically. T stands for trust your body. And the last T stands for tell your story. All right, tell your story. That is another uh, big one right there. A lot of women are coming forward now telling their story about how they are being treated uh, by their doctors while delivering their child and everything. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, as far as Black women today, 
what can you say or give them, what kind of advice can you give them today as far as being, you know, uh, childbirthing and, um, you know, maybe midwife or maybe they're on the fence of trying to go to a regular doctor, a regular hospital to have, uh, to, you know, traditional birthing or mm-hmm. our midwife. What kind of advice would you give somebody? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say is trust your gut and instincts, right? And don't wait until you're pregnant to start thinking about what might be the right setting for you. Think about it and plan for it the same way you would any other big life events, right? Um, And then also don't necessarily think of pregnancy as a medicalized event. Think of it as a sacred rite of passage that it is. Now, obviously, if somebody is having a complicated pregnancy, a high-risk pregnancy, yes, they probably need to be in the care of an OBGYN or a maternal fetal medicine doctor. We understand that. But evidence-based research shows that 85% of pregnancies are considered healthy and low risk and that the safest place for those pregnancies for somebody to give birth is not in the hospital. Mm. So just giving somebody that information and then telling them about the options that they have for where they want to birth. That could be at home with a midwife. That could be at a birthing center. That could be in a hospital with midwives on staff. But trusting your gut and your intuition and your instinct that if something doesn't feel right, your provider's not making eye contact with you, your provider asks you the same questions at every visit, which is an indicator that they haven't listened at the first, you know, four or five visits, then those are red flags. You want to get care from somebody where it's mutually beneficial and you want to get care from somebody that is going to make you an integral part of your actual health and wellness. If they're not including you, if they're talking at you or telling you what's going to be done rather than asking you what you would like to be done, that's a big, you know, indicator that maybe this is not a mutually beneficial mm. relationship. Mm. Okay. Okay. Now you have anything to add to that? Absolutely. I feel like this is this all goes down to how important education is. Mm. Um, one thing that really drew me to um, what we're doing now is the fact that this is not something that I learned when I was in school. Like I learned it um, come in the last couple of years of my undergraduate degree. And I didn't learn it in class. I learned it through a project. So I went and I got this information on my own before somebody even taught it to me, before um, it was ever brought up in any type of conversation outside of a classroom or in a classroom. So um, that's one thing that I feel like I would uh, like give advice to uh, Black women now who are thinking about being, I'm getting pregnant or newly pregnant, just getting that information, making sure that you understand that you have options. Like as uh, Nubia said, um, pregnancy isn't like a medical event, it's more like a rite of passage. And you know, when it comes to certain things, yes, of course, um, it should be dealt in the hands of an OBGYN or um, fetal medicine. But those 85% that are healthy and low risk I, I would like them to understand that they have those options that like home birth is not something that hippies do and like uh, a, a cabin with like right. just themselves and, and nothing and you know, a else. Lot of people, like, a lot of people think of that, you know. Think yeah, of, exactly, exactly. They right. think that way, you know. They think you that know? way. And I, I want to debunk that. I want to break down that stereotype, just like understanding that not only is it... Um, better for you for the baby it's also just a beautiful experience being able to control like claiming your space being able to control who's in the in the space with you 
who you have, how you want your space and not like picking and prodding and like lights too loud or like uh, it's too cold or too hot or anything. Just like making sure that you are comfortable in your space so that you can enjoy this rite of passage mm -hmm. is I feel like what should be focused on when it comes to um, thinking about birthing. Mm. So my, my first step, my first advice for any Black woman that is um, thinking of becoming pregnant or is newly pregnant is just look it up. Not look it up, but just like educate and understand okay. that you have those options um, and figure out which option is best for you. Yeah. Right. And I just wanted to add, when we talk about educate, we have to start earlier. Like Naya just mentioned that it wasn't until she was almost finishing up her you know, degree that she even got kind of clued in. We need to start talking to high school students, you know, yes. and talking about these career yes. paths and talking about this and normalizing it and having a conversation, you know, about, yes, the history of Black, you know, health and wellness here, especially as it pertains to maternal health, so that people are aware and it's not like you're being blindsided by it once you are pregnant and then find out, you know, what this is. You know, ahead of time, you know what the risks are and you know that the risks do not have anything to do with something being wrong with you but it's more about the way in which society is still trying to get their stuff together. Right. Okay. All right. So uh, what would you say to a woman who is newly pregnant and uh, she is not on the fence, but scared, like scared mm -hmm. of, from hearing all the news that she's been, you know, looking up and hearing about Black women dying during childbirth. What would mm -hmm. you say to that woman to try to soothe her and, and you know, make a decision on which way she should go, you know, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, fear is a really big emotion and fear can be the cascade for many things to happen. So the first thing I want is for people to always make decisions based on facts, not on fear. Um, so that goes back to just, you know, providing information, but then also, you know, we want to shift the narrative away from fear and stress because that negatively impacts the baby in utero. When you're flooding your body with stress hormones and you're constantly on red alert, you know, feeling like you have to be in fight or flight mode, that cuts off the proper amounts of oxygen and blood flow to the baby through the placenta, which is why Black women have a higher risk of preterm birth, right? Because the signal that the baby is getting if mom is so stressed out and nobody's helping to mitigate that stress is, Hmm, I'm safer outside my mom's body than inside of her body. So then labor begins because the baby wants to survive. Mm -hmm. um, so what our goal, you know, our collective goal is to try to make the Black woman's body the safest place for that growing baby. So that means if we have to offer prenatal yoga classes, if we have to offer different meditations to kind of get through, you know, whatever your stressors are, nutrition classes, um, healthy movement and African dance, like really connecting. And then, yes, using the ancient art of storytelling, right? So that we're not just hearing horror stories, but you're hearing other people's positive stories as well. Um, you know, I had my first two children in hospital setting before I knew better, but then I went on to have three amazing home births. I tell everybody about those birth experiences because I want them to be able to weigh the differences and then see what might be right for them. So that art of storytelling is in our ancestral DNA. That's part of our lineage. That's how we pass information down generation to generation. And we have to keep that going. That's how we kind of dispel the myths and the fears by actually surrounding somebody in a healing space, giving them that love and that attention and allowing them to kind of unload what their fears are so that we can transform that fear into power. Mm, I like that. I like mm -hmm. transform that fear into power. I like that. <laughs> 
So what's, can you, because I've never done uh, uh, a midwife or anything with my two children, but so can you give me like a, the experience? What's the difference? I mean, you, you're still surrounded. Do you have the monitors and stuff like that? You know, what's the difference? Yeah. So the beautiful thing, and I'm so excited for Naya that like she's going to get to actually, you know, learn all of this when she's in school is um, the beautiful thing about the midwifery model of care is it's one-to-one care, right? So whereas you might go to a clinic and you might sit for 45 minutes to an hour waiting to see your provider, and then you're in and out in five or 10 minutes, your visits with a midwife are going to be more like 45 minutes to an hour each, right? Because it's going to be based on what you come with, you know, if you have a lot of fear, yeah, that midwife is going to spend more time with you. But when it comes down to the actual birth, midwives have everything that the hospital basically has, except for the ability to give an epidural (laughs) and to do a C-section, right? Mm -hmm. So there's different ways that obviously we work through the pain, but yes, baby is being listened to every half an hour, you know, an early and active labor, mother's vitals are being taken, her blood pressure, her temperature, all of that. And then when it gets to pushing phase, we're listening to baby every other contraction. But the beautiful thing, like Naya was saying, is you get to make it your own. What do you want the room to smell like? What do you want it to sound like? You want to have the lights dim. You want to have candles on. And you get to be like the kind of the captain of the ship, right? Because this is your environment. So the midwife is there to safeguard and kind of jump in if something needs to be done. But it's really empowering you to know that we don't deliver babies you are going to deliver the baby. We merely catch and receive, right? And that's a different mindset. When you think you need to be delivered from something, you are almost relinquishing your power. When you understand that it is within you, our bodies have been doing this for hundreds and thousands of years, and I am just holding space for you and your baby, that's a completely different thing. It's a different mindset, and our bodies follow our minds. So I'm so excited for Naya to like, you know, <laughs> I'm super excited. Yes. <laughs> Shoot, I wish I could have gone back there. I was, you know, I, I would, I definitely would have tried it. That's for sure. I definitely yeah. would have tried it. Definitely would have tried it. So, mm-hmm. uh, one last thing. So, you have um, your birth the earth incorpor- um, incorporation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you you did explain exactly what you all do. Where is it located again? So we're in Yonkers, New York, and mm-hmm. our brick and mortar location that we opened up is right in the heart of downtown Yonkers on Main Street. Easily accessible, not deep into Yonkers, so you can get there from the Bronx, Harlem, right along mm-hmm. the Metro North Line. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you have anything for fathers? We do. So my husband started Fatherhood Fridays, which um, meets once a month, the last Friday of the month. And I can't tell you exactly what they talk about because I let them completely have that space for themselves. But, you know, the fathers are experiencing something too. They're about to be parents as well, Um, especially if their partner is going to have a home birth. Maybe if it's the first time, maybe they have a little bit of, you know, fear or questions or like want to ask, you know, things. And I think often we expect the men to just be strong and, you know, deal with it. But they also have emotions behind it. So having a space for them to kind of unpack what it is they're thinking about and not just for the birth, but then also like how you show up and like being a, a, you know, a main part of that family as a father. I think, you know, we hear a lot, the, the whole idea of the black family is that most black men are not around. I'm like, um, that is not true. They are here, they're present. Yeah. They're really active in their roles and they have a voice that needs to be amplified as well. So yes. Beautiful thing. Beautiful. I love that. Naya, so what's, what, what is your goal 
what's your goal with the, with your with your education and everything? What do you want to do exactly? You want to deliver the babies? You want to sit there? You want to have your own center? I don't know. Um, at the very moment, I'm just going with the flow. Um, what <laughs> I yes, I am. I've always been interested in the women's body and how our bodies change during pregnancy, how our bodies change during our moon cycle. Um, that's honestly one of the reasons why I um, minored in gender women's studies, because I not only wanted to understand the woman's body, I wanted to understand the woman's mind. I wanted to understand what literature says about women and what we learn about gender roles and all the things that come with the the uh the topic of gender um so at the very moment i've been like really interested in uh black women uh black women's births uh sickle cell pregnancies and just um being a advocate for people with sickle cell and understanding like how the body changes with people with sickle cell and pregnancies so um maybe in the future that'll be something that i look into but at the moment i am going with the flow wherever Destiny takes me, I am chug-chug-chugging. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you where I think we definitely need Naya. Obviously, out there, yes, like, doing all the things. And the beautiful thing is that midwifery encompasses not just catching babies, but we can do well woman care, mm -hmm. primary care. We can see somebody from their first moon cycle all the way through menopause. But oh. we do need more research. So I love the fact that she just brought up about sickle cell and pregnancy because we mm -hmm. don't have enough research, especially specifically on the conditions that tend to plague Black women in pregnancy like sickle cell. Um, mm -hmm. Also like preeclampsia. I've been doing a lot yeah. of research about oh. how nutrition can really turn that around and what's actually happening in the body. So I foresee, you know, Naya and I putting our heads together and like coming up with some amazing research studies to kind of um, get to the bottom of some of these things and mm -hmm. then raise that number of, you know, healthy low-risk pregnancies. I think it's actually higher, but people don't, that we, where a society looks more for cure rather than prevention. So yeah. that's what I think, you know, we can focus on. Um, and yeah, so that's I know. I'm giving you an answer. <laughs> yes, you know, and I would love to do some research. I yeah. would love to do some research. That's something that I'd definitely be interested in. Also, I'm also interested in education. Like, I would not mind going to, like, community centers or, like, going to high schools and doing something about um, just, like, Black women, pregnancies, the midwifery yeah. uh, programs and stuff like that for, like, job readiness and things of that nature. Like, yes. Like, I would love to do that, especially because I feel like this is something that a lot of people should know. Like, I'm very invested in this type of information, and I could talk about it for days on end. Yes. So that's the passion. I, I would that's also be interested in that. Listen, the profession of midwifery right now in America is 95 to 97% white. What? Did you hear what I said? No, so say that again. What? The profession of midwifery right now in America is 95 to 97% white. Now, there is a direct correlation there with the fact that we have a much higher maternal death rate, you know, for Black women and the lack of access to Black midwives. We won't get, that could be a whole podcast in and of itself, but mm -hmm. all they need to know is we are coming to reclaim what our grand midwives set forth that was taken from them. We are coming to restore that. We are coming to, you know, reinvigorate our communities because that is 
why we're here, right? Um, so yes, that's what the numbers currently are, but we're coming to flip all of that on its head. Mm -hmm. One last question before we get out of here. So um, we spoke earlier about how doctors need to, how doctors and the, the medical field period need to um, reverse the way they think about black women and how mm -hmm. they take pain and, you know, and all the other stuff. Um, do you think we should, they should, uh, anybody who's uh, majoring in the medical field or trying to get a job in the medical field should take a class in disparities? Yes. Is there a Absolutely. class in disparities? Absolutely. A class in disparities, a class in recognizing systemic racism, implicit and explicit biases, mm -hmm. culturally congruent care, the history of, you know, birth in this country, who the grand midwives were and what their legacy is, all of that. That needs to be like, doctor 101 you know stuff exactly. before they can step foot into providing care for people and there's an amazing organization i just want to plug called the black woman's blueprint they have an amazing amazing comprehensive systemic racism and bias training they've trained hospitals across the country they've trained the cdc and it's it's black owned and they get it right it's not like a, oh you're gonna do a two-hour zoom and all of a sudden now you're you know gonna do away with all these years of bias no it's a deep dive into how we got to where we are and how to move forward in a better way. Yeah. And that's exactly what we need now. We need to move yes. forward in a better way in order yep. for everybody to feel safe. During that's right. Ladies, thank you so much for stopping by. Mm. back Black birth and everything. Thank you, Nubia. Thank you, Naya. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And I hope to talk to you all soon, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I appreciate Thank you so you. much, Tanya. Thank you. If you are looking for any, uh, can I shout your, um, what is it, Black uh, Birth the Earth Incorporated? Yeah. On social media, yeah, you can find us at, at Birth from the Earth. Um, you can look up our website, uh, birthfromtheearth.vpweb.com. You can find us. We're easy okay. to find. <laughs> All right. So thank you both for coming stopping by. Um, you can definitely find us anywhere on social media, BC4SM on all platforms. All right, thank you, ladies. Have thank a good you. Soon. Did I freeze? I froze. Yeah, just for the last couple of seconds, but we could still hear you. Oh, you can? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unfreeze. <laughs> I wish you're good. Oh, yeah, I don't. Okay, well, why is the Zoom meeting? See, this is what I'm talking about. The Zoom meeting not.